Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, I'd like to ask you to stay with me. It's always a short time of motivation, some inspiration, a whole lot of education, and and we do it with no manipulation, no hidden agendas, no asking for money, no selling anything, no asking you to join anything. This show is just about giving you accurate information, hopefully, hopefully information that will help you verify and identify the plan of God for your life. If I can do that, then you have the freedom and the privacy to orient and adjust to the plan. Now, that's up to you. But my job is to be accurate with biblical information, not human speculation. Human speculation or human viewpoint doesn't profit anybody. I mean, you might be able to market it, you might be able to sell it, you might be able to convince people that it's true, but it's not. And uh, so this show is about giving you truth from the Word of God. We call our show The Flotline, if this is the first time you've heard it in your local station. F-L-O-T, that's a military term, and this is not a military show, but we're using a analogy, a military analogy. The FLOT line, F-L-O-T, stands for the forward line of troops. And what we're talking about is learning 10 unique problem-solving devices. This is nothing new. This is nothing new under the sun. This is not some new discovery, but 10 problem-solving devices that have probably been taught in your church for years. I may just put them in a little different vernacular, but if you learn these things and put them in the forward compartment of your soul, they act as a defensive barrier. They stop the outside sources of adversity before they become the inside sources of stress. That's why we always say adversity is inevitable and stress is optional. So learning the 10 problem-solving devices is critical for any believer if they hope to fulfill the unique plan of God, or what we call the protocol plan of God. The reason I call it that protocol is because if you think about it, a right thing has to be done in the right way. A right thing done in the wrong way is wrong, even though you might be doing the right thing. If you do it in the wrong way, it's wrong. And a right thing done in the right way is right. And so there's a right thing, right way and a wrong way to do things. And uh, it doesn't depend on your talent or your ability, like an athlete may be big, strong, fast, quick, good-looking, handsome, whatever, but if they don't learn the plays, then they can't play on the team. They have to submit to the authority of the coach. And so there, there are plays in the Bible, to use that analogy. There are things we have to learn, principles and precepts and procedures. If we learn them and we use them, then we glorify God to the maximum. But if we don't, if we try to do it on our own energy, under our own desires, then we wind up going down the my way highway. And that doesn't glorify anybody but self, and it's a dead end eventually. Now, I've been through at least four of the problem-solving devices on our first few shows there in your local radio station, your local area. They are rebound. It solves the problem of sin. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us, First John 1, 9. So there never is a time you're not to admit your sin to God and don't cover it up. If you do that, he's faithful and just to forgive you. This opens the door to problem-solving device number two, which is the filling of the Holy Spirit. When we rebound, we are filled with the Spirit. 
And this solves the problem of the sin-infused human nature because you have a battle, the Bible says, the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh. And if we walk in the spirit, then we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, the Bible tells us. So walking in the spirit is you rebounding. Every time you sin, you get up, you confess your sin, and you keep moving. Then, then we moved into uh, how without the filling of the Holy Spirit that everything you do for God, quote, your tithe or going to church or singing the choir, mission trip, helping the little old lady across the street, whatever you do for God, if you do it in the energy of the flesh, it's wood, hay, and stubble. If you do it under the filling of the Holy Spirit, it's gold, silver, and precious stones. This is all taught First Corinthians 3, 11 through 16. So it's important to remember that rewardable deeds are deeds done under the filling of the Holy Spirit. I mean, a lost man can come to church, a lost man can sing in the choir, a lost man can help a little old lady cross the street, but a lost man cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't even live in him. So you have that opportunity as a believer in Jesus Christ to manufacture divine good that will glorify God to the maximum and be rewarded to you in eternity future. Then we went into uh, biblical orientation and the need for us to orient our lives to the Word of God and how we must get it straight and we must get it accurate and we must not allow ourselves uh, to be confused and to think that the Word of God contradicts itself. We saw the mandates to study, show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We saw the mandate growing the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We saw that. We've seen how the importance of a local church and a pastor is critical because God gave that man a gift, a gift of pastor-teacher. The Greek word for that in the New Testament is poimen kai didaskalos, the shepherd and the teacher, the shepherd and the teacher. So his job is to shepherd his flock and teach his flock. And uh, we now want to move into why it's critical that we learn the Word of God. Now, why is it critical for you to learn the Word of God? Because here's what I'm about to tell you. As goes your spiritual life, so goes the future of your nation. Why would God discipline a nation like the United States of America? I mean, we've been blessed. We've been through some wars that we've won, some we haven't won because we didn't fight them to the full extent of what we had available. But particularly in World War II, uh, we had a great victory there. Uh, particularly, we've been through the Korean War, the Vietnam conflict. We've been through the Iraq War, the Kuwait War. We've been through Afghanistan, all of these things. Now, you see the, the topography of America changing. You read the paper like I do. You see where somebody puts up the Ten Commandments and some joker takes a car and runs over it. He hates it. You see where we can no longer even display a nativity scene on the, in the courthouse yard. You see how we've been stopped from talking about Jesus Christ in a public school, but you would be surprised at the other things you can talk about and the other things you can promote. But, oh, no, don't promote anything that has to do with the Word of God. We live in the devil's world. And this is part of what's going on. I speak in schools all the time and have been speaking in schools almost 50 years. When I began, I could speak in public schools. I could give the Word of God to students, and they had a choice. Today, I still speak in schools, but 99.9% .9 of them are private academies. That doesn't mean kids are not kids. I mean, they're kids, and they're there. 
and they are having a chance to hear. So the private schools are still open up to teaching the Word of God to their uh, constituents, but not the public schools. Satan has been successful in that. The Army has gone crazy with some of the things they're initiating. The Air Force has gone crazy with some of the things they're initiating. We're so into humanism. We're so into uh, being politically correct. America's in trouble. I think America's in trouble. Maybe you don't, but I do. And uh, there's something in the Bible called the fifth cycle of discipline. This is what you see that happened to Israel in 586 B.C. under Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, the Israelis split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was destroyed by the Chaldeans and the southern kingdom by Nebuchadnezzar. Israel went under discipline again in AD 70 when Rome wiped it out. And it was just recently in 1948 that the Zionists came back, reestablished Jerusalem, and have been living there ever since then. Protected and watched over by us, hopefully the American and uh, Hopefully we will see what the Lord is going to do in the future there. I know we will see that. But the fifth cycle of discipline is taught in Leviticus 26, 14 through 39, and in Deuteronomy 28, 49 through 57. And then in Hosea 4, 1 through 6, this is what I want to read to you. Hosea 1, 4 through, Hosea 4, 1 through 6 talks about why a nation would be destroyed, particularly a priest nation, and we are a priest nation for God. The United States of America is, in fact, one of those priest nations. I mean, we disseminate uh, the Word of God. We send missionaries all over the world. We evangelize our own people. And so why, I mean, what's going on in this country? Why would God discipline us? And the answer is very plain, seen in the book of Hosea. Hosea talks about why God disciplines his people, and I'm going to read to you what it says, Hosea 4, hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, the northern kingdom, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, no mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Pay atten particular attention to knowledge of God. Remember, I talked about biblical orientation. And it goes on to say, by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood touches blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwells in it shall languish, along with the beast of the field, the fowls of the heaven, and yes, the fish of the sea will be taken away. This is when a nation goes under divine discipline. Yet no man strive nor reprove another, for the people are as they that strive with the priests. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, the prophets shall fall with you in the night, and I will destroy your mother. Now listen to the next verse. Here's the bottom line. This is why God would discipline this nation, this most favored nation, this nation that has been blessed beyond blessing. Listen to what I'm about to read to you. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you rejected knowledge, I will reject you. And you will be no priest nation to me because you forgot the laws of your God I will forget your children. Now, what is it that destroys a nation? Lack of knowledge. What is it that Satan wants to shut down? Knowledge. He doesn't want the Word of God to be disseminated. He doesn't want young people to hear the Word of God. He doesn't want you to hear the Word of God. 
lack of knowledge is the road to destruction. Why is that? Because in Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Unless you understand what's in the Word of God, you are going to have one miserable life. And so the Proverbs in the first chapter, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, says this, uh, to know, why did he write this book? He said, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. Knowledge and discretion. Listen, this is critical for you to understand. When wisdom enters into your heart, when knowledge is pleasant to your soul, then discretion will preserve you and understanding will keep you. That's Proverbs 2, 10 and 11. I call that the magnificent four, wisdom, knowledge, discretion, and understanding. Listen to what happens to a nation that rejects knowledge. Since I called and you refused, in other words, I'm gonna read from Proverbs chapter one, let me just back up to verse 20. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Wisdom cries outside, and she utters her voice in the street. She cries in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city, she utters her words, saying, How long will you simple ones, how long will you love simplicity? And the scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. They don't want it. They don't want to hear the word of God because it convicts and convinces. So listen, turn you at my reproof, and behold, I will pour out my spirit upon you, and I will make known my words unto you. But now listen to verse 24. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hand and you would not regard it. You said it not all of my counsel and you would not listen to my reproof. Thus I will laugh at your calamity, and I will mock you when your fear comes. When your fear comes as a desolation, and as your destruction comes as a whirlwind, remember the Bible says you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I won't answer. And then they will seek me early, but they won't find me, because they hated knowledge and they did not choose to respect the Lord. And they would have none of my counsel, and they despised all of my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the prosperity of a fool will destroy him. But whoever hearkens unto me shall dwell safely and be quiet from the fear of evil. Knowledge is your protection. Knowledge of the Word of God is a provision for you to reject that knowledge, to reject biblical uh, orientation is to guarantee a life of misery because you will never understand divine viewpoint. You will always be living on human viewpoint. You will always be seeking your solution. You know, for some, a bunch of people to sit around and talk about the Bible and some guy says, what does this mean to you? What does this mean to you? What does this mean to you? You know, that may be good sometimes, but nine out of ten times, it's goofy. What we need is the pastor to teach us what God is saying here, not give five or six different people give their opinion about it. 
So if the United States of America is destroyed by God, it's because we've rejected his word. We've rejected the knowledge of the word of God. We don't want it anymore. We are so prosperous, so full of ourselves, so arrogant that we can't see it. And as you see the shift in American politics, you can see the scorning of any Christian, the mocking of the Word of God, the laughing at those who actually believe the Bible. This nation doesn't want knowledge. It doesn't want liberty. It doesn't want justice. That's not what it wants. It wants to change. It wants to change into a progressive socialist society, just like most of Europe that's in trouble today. And we are facing a disaster down the road if we continue to reject God's word. Listen, the fifth cycle of discipline comes onto a nation when we reject the knowledge of the word of God. We get distracted by our own details in life. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14 talks about this. He said, I'd like to teach you some things, but you're not interested. You're dull of hearing. It doesn't, you know, let me ask you, when you go to church, do you see, see people sleep through the pastor's sermon? The most insulting, rude, crude thing you could do is to fall asleep while the word of God is being taught. If that's how important it is to you, you might as well stay home and stay in your nice comfy bed because you're not impressing God just because you showed up at church last Sunday. You may be one of those nod to God crowd. Hello, God. Goodbye, God. See you next Sunday, God. It doesn't work. He's not impressed. You want to understand God's plan? You better get under a good, qualified pastor that will teach it to you. Then you can guarantee a long life, a wonderful life, a prosperous life, but not the way you're going right now. Carnality is a dangerous thing. And when, as a believer, we walk away from the Word of God, we don't use it, we don't study it, we don't learn it, there's no biblical orientation in our life, then we don't even get our prayers answered. Do you know there are reasons why your prayers don't get answered? You've been praying and nothing happened. There might be a reason for that, you know. Why would God not answer your prayer? I mean, didn't he tell you to call upon me and I'll show you great and mighty things? Didn't he tell us to pray? Yes, he did. But if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit when you pray, if you have unconfessed sin in your life when you pray, the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit when you pray, your prayer is not going any higher in the ceiling. I don't care how magnificent that prayer is. I don't care what your oratory skills are. It's not going to be answered because you have shut off the power. You have quenched the Holy Spirit and grieved the Holy Spirit. So uh, that's one reason prayer is not answered. Another reason is because you don't use faith when you pray. In Matthew 21, 22, in all things, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive, believing if you have faith, or if you're motivated by the wrong reason for your prayer. James 4, 2 and 4 says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, so that you consume, consume it upon your own lust. In other words, you're asking for the wrong thing for the wrong reason. And that prayer's not gonna be answered. And if you have carnality in your life, as I told you, Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't, won't hear me. 
If you're disobedient to God and you try to pray, 1 John 3, 22, whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his mandates and we do the things that are pleasing in his sight. So you get into sin, you disobey God, you don't keep his mandates, you're displeasing, your prayer's not going to be answered. And listen, if we have an attitude of negative volition in regards to God's counsel, your prayer's not going to be answered. Listen, I called and you refused. Remember that Proverbs passage, 124, you wouldn't listen to me? And then you want to go to God and ask God to help you when things get going tough. What do you think? God's a genie in the eight ball. He's going to pop out of the eight ball and make all your problems go away. You don't need him until you have a problem. You're kidding yourself. Another thing, if you don't comply with the specific known will of God in your life, you know what God called you to do. You know what God told you to do. And yet and you don't do it. And then you go to start asking God for something in prayer. Listen to 1 John 5, 14. If we, are, if we ask anything according to his will, then he hears us, and we know that he hears us. But whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions we ask of him if it's according to his will. Listen, if you have arrogance in your life, your prayer is not going to be answered. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before the destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's your arrogance. If you have lack of compassion on needy people and you pray for yourself, prayer's not going to be answered. Proverbs 21, 13, the one who shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. And what about this one? Fighting with your spouse, lack of domestic tranquility, and then you're going to pray and ask God for something. 1 Peter 3, 7, In like manner you husbands dwell with your wives in consideration as the weaker vessel and show them honor as fellow members of the grace of life. In this way, nothing will hinder your prayers. There you go. Learning the word of God is critical just so you know how to pray. Learning the word of God is critical so you know how to live the faith rest drill. Learning the word of God is critical so you can manufacture divine good and glorify God and reach spiritual maturity in your life and reflect Jesus Christ through everything that you do by representing him, taking on his mentality. Yes, you have to take on the mentality of Christ. The Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 2, 5. That means I got to learn to think like him. I have to take on his personality profile. What? Take on his personality profile. What does that mean? He humbled himself in like manner. We have to humble ourselves. That's his humility profile. We have to have the same profile. He that is first should be last, and he that is last should be first. God makes war against the arrogant, but he gives grace to the humble. There you go. All of this is biblical orientation. Learning God's word, orienting to God's word, sitting under a great pastor that teaches you God's word, learning it and applying it, learning it and applying it, taking it from gnosis information to epinosis information. I told you that earlier. Gnosis is where you hear. Epinosis is where you keep. You know, Jesus, our Lord, said this in Luke eleven twenty-seven and 28 to the woman that interrupted him so rudely when he was teaching. 
And she cried out, Happiness belongs to the womb that bore you and to the breast on which you nursed. And our Lord simply looked at her. I can imagine what he said, but he said these words, You are wrong. Happiness belongs to the people who hear my Father's word and keep it. Hear and keep. Hear and keep. That's momentum. When you develop spiritual momentum in your life, you will stay filled with the Holy Spirit on a consistent basis by naming your sins when they occur, and you will hear God's word consistently on a daily basis, and to the best of your ability, keep what you learn. That doesn't mean you walk around like some self-righteous saint with your nose up in the air acting all holy. That means you take on the mentality of Christ, you take on the personality profile of Christ, that means you develop humility in your life, which is orientation to authority. And you glorify God with your deeds, with your actions, with your attitude. Every thought, every intention, every desire brought into captivity for Jesus Christ. It's a new way of living, folks. It's an amazing way of living the Christian life. And most of the time, we don't get it taught to us like that. Most of the time, it's kind of garbly gook stuff that doesn't make any sense. And so we go to church and people try to get us fired up on our emotions and get us all rah-rah for Jesus. But that doesn't do anything for you in your spiritual life. You must learn God's Word. You must apply God's Word. You are mandated in the Bible. Study, learn, grow. These are all there. God wants you to be a mature believer. He wants you to glorify Jesus Christ to the maximum. But like Hebrews says in Hebrews 5, I I think I need to turn over there and read that for you because it's a critical passage in Hebrews 5. And uh, this is something that I, I read this often and think about it. He says, I have many things to say. This is the writer of Hebrews. But they're hard to be uttered. You are dull of hearing. You ought to be a teacher. You ought to be teaching others. But you're like a baby that needs a bottle. And you need. you can't handle strong meat. For everyone who uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. He's still a baby. You've got to grow up. You've got to understand God's plan for your life. And it starts by getting with the program spiritually. Staying filled with the Spirit. Growing in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. By sitting under the ministry of a pastor that will teach it to you and feed you and shepherd your soul so that you can begin to reflect Christ through you. Christ in me, the hope of glory, the Bible says. It's amazing. He lives in you, and he must shine through you, and the world must see him in you. And that's the only way it's going to happen. I hope you're listening. I hope you're paying attention. I thank you for being part of the show today. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Flatline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.